Welcome to the Work Life Equation, hosted by Priya Krishnan and Paul Sullivan. During this episode, you will hear from working parents just like you who understand the daily struggles and triumphs while finding our unique work life equation. Now, here are your hosts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Work Life Equation. I am Priya Krishnan. I'm the Chief Digital and Transformation Officer at Bright Horizon. And I'm Paul Sullivan, the founder of the Company of Dads, and I'll be your co host along with Priya this season. Today, our guest is David Newsom, who, as we speak, is the Chief Digital Officer at Serity Partners, a wealth management firm. He's got some big changes ahead that he's going to talk about, all positive, all built around the work-life equation. Uh, David is somebody who's kind of, I've known for years, he's come up the ranks in marketing, he's very successful, but he's always kept his eye on striking that, that balance of, of being there for his son being a good husband, being being a human. And so it's pretty awesome to have us join us today. David, thanks for being our guest. <laughs> thanks for having me. I'm thrilled, thrilled to be here. Thanks. You know, one thing I, I like to start kind of the, the, the first question, um, you know, Alexander, your son, he's, he's, he's five now. Um, but there was a time when, uh, you know, you, you weren't a dad, uh, you weren't a husband. How is your perspective on you know, work and life and how they integrate and how they fit together. How has that evolved uh, over the years in your career as, as your personal life has, has evolved? evolved. Um, that's a great choice of words there, Paul. Um, it was uh, completely life-altering. I mean, it, and, it, and it felt like it happened all at once. Um, there was really no, as many folks that you talk to about their own lived experience, um, there really just wasn't preparation for what it actually became. And you have all of these like preconceived notions about, oh, I want to be a great dad and this is what it's going to be mean to be a great dad. And I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And uh, we're going to do these amazing things together. And it, there's going to be all of these, like, and you set up these like piles of expectations. And then like you're at the hospital, you know, your son's given to you and you're just kind of like in this kind of liminal space of, Oh my gosh, this is a living human, breathing human being. Um, oh my gosh, is he healthy? Okay, he's healthy. Okay, we go home and it's, and it's like, okay, now what? And then it just kind of feels like everyone else's lived experience, right? Like you are in it. Like all night long, you're in it. All day long, the next day you're in it. Um, and it really was completely life altering. And so you, you, we went from this, this worldview of, it's us in the world or, you know, my husband and I in the world. And then it was like, wait a minute, this is a, a family with a capital F in the world. And it just kind of set, it was like, you know, we were setting sail on this entirely new, completely transformed life journey. Uh, I, I think that's the, the best way I can <laughs> put it. And, you know, hearing that, you just, you just took me back. Um, you know, Priya has two sons. I, I have three daughters. And I remember when my oldest daughter, who's now 14, was handed to me. And she, you know, they fit in the, the crux uh, of your arm. She's now 14. She's taller than my wife. Um, but when you talk about, like, getting right into it, like, okay, we have the baby. We got this. We have this figured out. And then three days later, we get a call um, from somebody who's at our house saying, um, do you know that your basement is filled with water? And I was like, what are you talking about? And it broke. And so you get right into it. And so it's that, 
you know, even if you don't plan on having this work life and not even work, just life, life and kid life and all of this, this, this balance, um, you know, I, I has got a, a bunch of great questions, but I'm thinking here, when you look back, you know, you were in San Francisco, very successful there. You're, you're now in Portland, Oregon. Um, do you, how do you look at those different phases of your life? Are they on a, a continuum or, you know, does one sort of stop or pause when, when Xander is, is handed to you when Xander is born and, you know, you continue on this, oh, this that's other so, journey? You know, that's a, that's a great question. Um, mm, I think it's just one big piece of the whole. It's not like a book with chapters. I mean, it's easy to explain your life in chapters. It's like, oh, once upon a time, I was a Mormon missionary. You know, right? Like, okay, that was a chapter for sure. Which you for know, listeners is true. He's not just saying it is no, true. And like for true. listeners, that is it's true. It's also very, very, very true. Um, and, and so looking back, sometimes it, it feels like chapters. But when it comes to once I found, oh, gosh, once I found my way in the world, you know, in work, in life, that just feels like this beautiful uh, journey's overused, but it feels like this beautiful journey. And I'm lucky enough to have a, a partner, a husband that is my like kind of partner in. I think the old adage is like partner in crime, partner like, in crime, I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, doing illegal things. So it's like, you know, <laughs> but like the the person who's like attached to you, no matter what. That's like, oh no, no, no we got this. And, um, in the moments where you're doubting yourself, like they kind of look at you and they're like, Hey, hey everything's going to be just fine. Right. Um, or in those other moments where, you know, they might be doubting and you just give them a look and it's just like, Hey, you know, everything's going to be absolutely just fine. Um, so it's really just kind of part of the, the whole, um, yeah, I always say that you don't get a handbook, right? Like the three things in life, which is you're entering the workforce when you get married and then when you have children. And I think that the one with children is the toughest because you're responsible for another human being. Not that when you're married, you're not. But, you know, this is a little one that you influence and you're raising and you're responsible for how they turn out. Somehow you at least believe that is the case. Sure. And there's also, you know, there's this, um, I, I remember thinking this, like, and it's not that you don't, or in, in our situation specifically, it's not that you don't adore your partner or your husband or, you know, spouse or, you know, um, but there's this immediate instinctual primal, um, instinct that like, if, if your child is in danger, you're going to like, you're going to be the person who lifts the car off of them, or you're going to be the one that pushes them out of the way, like at the expense of potentially like your own life. And not that you wouldn't for your partner, but you might pause for a moment. <laughs> you, know? you, you understand what true unconditional love is with a child. I think well, somehow. Yeah, 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 yeah. True, true, true. And so like, <laughs> of course, you know, you would like to think like in certain situations, like you just go and you, you know, you just act from this instinctual place. And I, I think what I'm really trying to draw attention here to is like with a child is it's most um, visceral. It's, it's most potent form of unconditional love that just moves through you um, unlike anything else. And it's interesting that you say that. So I'd love to hear about, you know, what challenges you had at, at work as you were raising Xander and how has that influenced how you think about other parents at the firm um, sure. and supporting them? 
Sure. So when Xander was first born, um, so when Xander was first born, um, I was at a firm called BOS and then BOS merged into Serity Partners. So Serity Partners is um, part of the greater whole now. But at the time, it was a, a regional firm based in San Francisco. And I, I count myself very, very lucky. I was one of 10 partners at the firm when, you know, Xander was born. Um, I mean, I, I didn't want to let down my partner. So maybe I didn't take as much time as perhaps I should have in hindsight. Um, I think I took 12 weeks, which was, you know, to me, a, a nice chunk of time. Um, my husband had even more time, um, frankly, like as much time as he, he needed uh, from a work standpoint. Um, and that was wonderful because we had some con like longer term consistency of who was going to be home. Um, and then what I had at work was like, well, yeah, go take the time, go be there. Um, and I think a lot of it was more in my head. Um, mm -hmm. But then becoming an executive, like at a larger firm, as we moved through time, then it became, wow, there's challenges here. There's like people on different coasts. There's a time difference. Um, there's time in the morning that's inviolable space for me, um, right? Like I'm the parent that gets up in the morning um, when Xander is like getting ready to get to school and, you know, do his whole routine. Like I'm the guy that's doing that. Um, and so I had to, I had to put in place some boundaries. Otherwise, you know, it would just, it, you'd have calendar scope creep all over the place. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, you and I, David, <clears throat> talked in the past about your calendar. And I, I want to touch on that in a second, but what I really like to ask when you were at the legacy firm that merged into Serity and you took those 12 weeks, was there a model? For you to do that, where that was there, uh, you know, you were you're quite senior at that firm, but was there uh, an, an equal to you, a superior to you, who had done something similar and said, you know, it's okay, or because you, you mentioned like when you went out for those twelve weeks, you were a little bit a bit nervous. We found that you know w without a model, without somebody sort of being vocal about parenting and saying, I'm taking this these twelve weeks, I got to bomb, I'm a human. It's tough for people to do it because they think, am I going to fall behind on work? Am I going to be judged for this? Should I even be doing this? What was that like for you, you know, five, six years ago when it happened? Um, I worried a lot about it. Um, over the course of my career, I, you know, it's also interesting too because there's the, there's the, there's a, there's an X factor here being a member of the LGBTQ plus community that, that might, elevate concern in some ways where it's just like, oh gosh, you know, like it wasn't too long ago where we, we really, there were very few people like us who could have families. Um, and then getting that even codified into laws and then just, you know, there's a lot attached to it, a lot of historical background to it. And so for me, even though I was hearing all the right things, but to your, to answer your question, no, there was not a model most of my partners had already gone through the phase of kind of starting family. So they had older children and they were just kind of like, Oh yeah, take the time that you need, but being good partners, that's, that's what a good partner says, right? You, you say those things, but sometimes, you know, it works out in the wash. Like, okay, like, you know, like how is it really going to be? Are they sending me, you know, um, are they sending me emails asking me questions while I'm out? Right. Or are right. they really allowing, you know, me to take the, you know, the time and have the space with a newborn, um, happy to report, like no one sent me an email. 
um, which was actually fantastic. Fantastic. But that didn't stop me self-imposed worrying, you know, about like, well, wait a minute. What is, what does this mean? I'm losing, I'm, I may be losing touch with work. What does that spell for me long-term? Um, but I worried a lot, but yeah, no model, um, was kind of winging it and worried a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. I also think that, the, you know, the, the fact that you said the scope creep or contain the scope creep on your calendar is very admirable because it allows other people to do that and say, I have permission uh, because of the fact that somebody I know and I admire and is senior in the firm does it and calls out and contains the space that they have with their children. So you seem to win this trailblazer in many ways, right? You, you've also, you also, I, I read this article that you wrote about how to adopt children and you <laughs> don't show a very, very detailed uh, process on here are all your options and this is what we chose. So how have you approached that? How have you sort of taken this lead and said, it is okay, I don't need the permission or the role modeling like Paul was talking about and what's driven that? Oh, what's driven that? It's interesting, you know, um, and you know, headline here, one headline, when I talk about my time being a Mormon missionary and this like separation between like my life as a member of, you know, a church environment and then after, after coming out and, and also coming out during a time where the church was less um, accepting of such things um, had different consequences for me in my life. But there are. That was like the genesis of knowing, just in a very deep inner knowing about who I am, um, and then allowing that to play out in the world instead of knowing who I am and then moving, do, going through the motions of expectation, you know. Um, and so when I look back, it's like, well, you know, that's kind of easy. Like, okay, well, maybe it, maybe it cost me my career, but at one time I lost my religion. Right. And there, there, and that was very, very, very close. That was a, something that I held near and dear to like, it felt like a, a, an absolute part of who I was. Um, and so it's kind of like, well, you know, you lose your religion, like what else, you know, <laughs> you can kind of, you can move through the rest of your life in ways that um, perhaps require a little bit more, um, I don't know, courage or modeling. I will also say um, I had, I had good support, like had an excellent, you know, executive coach. I've had a coach for many, many, many years as I was kind of coming up through the ranks. I just, um, I actually asked for it like, Hey, you know, are you, are, are we willing to like, are you willing to foot the cost for this? Can we split the cost for this? Like, um, I would love some support on the executive side, like as I move through, cause I want to be a good leader. I want to be a good role model. Um, how, and I don't know how to necessarily do that instinctively. So I would love to learn and have that support. And, and I got that. And part of, part of the, our work together was, okay, well, what does this mean for you becoming a parent? What does it mean for your career? Um, and it's interesting, like when you move through the world with a little bit more intention, um, it, it not always, but like it can work out. And, and I think in my case, I've been, um, I have to just count myself as very, very lucky too. Um, you know, you, 
you talk about that intention, and I want to come back and really kind of make this explicit for the listeners. When you claim that space to get Xander ready in the morning, it's what, what is it like seven a.m. to eight thirty? Is that correct? I remember that correctly. Yeah, Round yeah. About? It's like yeah, it's okay. like six fifty. The alarm goes off, and <laughs> eight o'clock. My husband is like whisking him off to school. Yep. Right. And so people might listen and say, well, well, what's the big deal? You know, that's early in the morning. But the big deal is you're on the West Coast, the center of gravity, the firm that you were for, uh, as we're speaking, and we have more to talk about in the second segment, but the center of gravity there is New York City. So that's the East Coast. So if you're on the East Coast, everybody else, nobody would care. But you're on the West Coast. And that's when, you know, the East Coasters are, are revving their day up. And they, they, they called you, they would buy. And then you, you, you sort of said, no, this is my, my time. I'll be available afterwards. But talk about, that's good for you and great. Yeah, like you, David, happy that that worked out. But it had a bigger effect within your firm. And talk about that bigger effect that that have you sort of, you know, parenting by calendar, sort of modeling what what you needed and being a partner, uh, the firm respecting that. Talk about the effect that that had on other mothers, fathers and and caregivers within your firm. Yeah, I think it it had a a positive effect and maybe maybe not through intention, but out of necessity, like out of necessity. Like I, I just couldn't manage a bunch of calendars, like work calendar, personal calendar, like this calendar, that calendar. It it was just like, wait a minute, the center of gravity for me is work from a calendaring standpoint. And so I needed to use my work calendar for my life. And I just blocked in Xander daddy duty right in the morning. Right. And I just blocked out from six until eight just to make sure that East coast folks understood like, Oh no, you know, I can't squeeze something in before six fifty on the East. Coast <laughs> right. <laughs> Cause you know, that would Wake just, them up. yeah, totally. It would just like create. And you know, honestly, you know, to be absolutely transparent, I'm not really up before 6.50. Xander right now has a habit of crawling into my bed, right? And so, like, I don't want to disturb him. So I'm not going to get up and disturb sleep. And so what that means is I just kind of shift my, I'll go to bed later, right? And then, like, get up at 6.50 with him because I know he's basically going to be right next to me. Um, and so what, what wind up happening is, like, I scheduled that time. Um, I also scheduled time. I schedule my lunchtime. My husband and I both work from home. Um, and we sometimes rarely connect about like family stuff. And so lunchtime is our like connect with family time. Um, and so I book that on my calendar and then I, I do pick up in the afternoon and I book out, you know, I block out like Xander pickup time. Right. And that's like, you know, West coast time, like two thirty in the afternoon. Right. And then I'm kind of missing, you know, West coast time in the later part of the afternoon. But then I come back online at night when, you know, no one's, no one's pinging you for anything. But what wound up happening was lots of, you know, folks see the time blocked and they're like, mm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go in and try to get a meeting in there. <laughs> and so I would say for the first, I mean, it just happened month after month. It got a little exhausting, honestly, because it was just like, whoa, come on. But it was different. Some of the same folks, some, sometimes different folks. But what wound up happening was folks started sharing like, Oh, oh, no, 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 no. Newsom, do not ping him between six and eight, right? We know that's like, you know, our prime time here in New York, but like, you know, no, 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 no. That's daddy time for him. Super respectful once, like it was, it kind of took some time for it to uptake, right? Like, but once it like went up, 
then, oh, okay, great. Uh, people understood and they talked about it. Like, and, and I, I thought that that was fantastic. Like I would wind up getting introduced and sometimes like at speaking events. And if the colleague was there, they would actually like say something like, this is the guy who actually like blocks out daddy time on his calendar. Um, and everyone knows like, don't ping him, don't bug him, don't right? Like he's, he's doing his thing. Um, and I have to say that that actually allows me to be a more present parent, right? In that moment, because I'm not thinking who's pinging me, what am I missing? Like it, I, I get to really stay focused there. And finish that thought. How has that helped you be a better worker? Are you, you know, be, you're not divided. You're not sort of parenting secretly or shamefully when you should be working and you're working when you're working. How has that, you know, impacted the quality of your work that you're doing when you're, you're focused on work? It goes back to intentionality. Instead of having your attention be split, your attention is focused. And the same way that I was focused on being a parent when I'm with Xander, um, the same way I am focused when I'm focused on work. Um, and so like folks talk about flow and, you know, kind of getting into flow when you're, you know, working a lot easier for me to enter flow state, right? A much easier because I'm also, I don't have to worry about Xander when I'm working, right? Like I'm, we're managing that, right? So, um, when I come back online at night, you know, my husband does, you know, the whole like routine and going to bed, brush teeth, you know, bath, brush teeth, like, okay, off to bed. Uh, my husband manages that. And that's when I get to go back online and I don't have to worry about, um, you know, what's happening in the house. I can just come into my home office and like put my head down and like bang out a bunch of work. And it's also, um, very convenient because both the West coast and the East coast are offline by the time I'm coming back online. I'm telling you, it's like so, so important to role model and very, very critical for people to see like somebody does this. I have permission to do it. So kudos to you for getting that going. I'm going to switch gears a little bit, David, and ask you how is having Xander influence your leadership style and how is, how you changed as both a manager and a leader in your firm once you've had him? Has that impacted it? I can certainly Uh, tell you by example, it has, you know, when I had my boys. Yeah. Um, historically speaking, perhaps wasn't the most patient leader, right? Like I'm a classic type A driven, like, oh, wait a minute. If it was due, if it was due today at noon and I didn't have it by last night, like, uh, you know, come on, like, what are you doing here? Like what's happening? Um, and after having Xander much more patient and also, um, much more explicit, you know, having a child where, (laughs) especially like right now he's five, right? So, you know, there's like, you know, uh, what do teachers call it? Executive functioning, right? (laughs) Like (laughs) (laughs) self-regulation. Where we're sitting down and reading books like Robbie's Roar, you know, like we're talking about like, how do you manage? And it's really a wonder, I, I comment often like to my husband, like, what am I, five years old? There's times where I'm reading these books on how to manage, you know, your state, your emotional state or your emotions. And, um, there's something for me to learn in all of that, even though it might be super new for him and something that we need to repeat over and over and over again. But for me even, um, and then how that plays out at work is like, okay, I'm more patient. I'm more explicit. Like just because a thought went through my head, I can't expect others to like 
understand that a thought crossed my mind, right? So being explicit about those things um, and setting expectations and, and, and not from a, a lenient standpoint, but from more from a clarity standpoint. If you're clear, then it opens up space to have conversations about like, okay, the how. Um, and I think before I had Xander, that it w I would move a million miles a minute and kind of expect people to read my mind. Um, I'm glad you clarified that and you didn't say like, and you know, I find myself just getting up from uh, the table and running away like my kindergartner does. <laughs> um, on that note, we're just going to take a brief break. And so listeners, uh, stay tuned. We will be right back and you're listening to the work life equation podcast brought to you by bright horizons. Thank you. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Preschoolers know what really matters. They're certain they don't want this or they do want that and they're not sure why. Well, now you can get expert advice and solutions on what really matters in your child's learning, growth and development with the podcast Teach, Play, Love. You'll get the info you actually need on key topics like learning through play, school readiness, navigating solo parenthood, why routines are important, traveling with kids, and more. Teach, play, love. Visit BrightHorizons.com and explore our podcast content. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Welcome back to The Work-Life Equation with Priya Krishnan and Paul Sullivan. We hope you're enjoying this episode and are finding the stories empowering and inspirational. Now back to the show. Well, welcome back to The uh, Work-Life Equation podcast with Paul and Priya. Uh, we were having a conversation with David in the break and Paul, you wanted to dig into something specific with David, so you should jump right in. Yeah, thanks Priya. I mean, one of the things I was thinking about is you know, whatever we go, whatever our career is, whatever our field is, professionally, there are sort of markers. You, you aspire to get promoted to this, promoted to that, promoted maybe a different job. And it's, it's not exactly laid out for us, but there's something, you know, ahead. You become a leader, not just as uh, an expert marketer, but you become a leader in the space of sort of work-life integration and as a, a working parent, a working dad, you know, not just, you know, within your firm, but, you know, also when you talk and you're talking to other people in that, that CMO marketing space, you know, they're listening to the, to the experience that you've had and the success you've had with other people at your firm saying, okay, I can take, you know, some time for my son or daughter, you know, the way David has. How does, how does that feel? And, and how did that, you know, come about really? Did it really come about from your own personal experience and is something you just embraced? Well, there was, you know... <laughs> The historical context is once upon a time, my husband and I didn't even think that we could even have a family, you know, like it just, there were, you know, we couldn't get married. We couldn't like, there just weren't legal protections. There weren't, 
the the environment did not give rise to us having a family the way that other folks move through the world and have a family. And so when that became possible and then we realized like together that made sense for us, um, having Xander and becoming a dad felt like a calling, um, not just like becoming in and I'm not um, minimizing anyone else's experience. But for me, it, there was just this very, very deep sense of like, oh my goodness, this is a calling and I have got, you know, when, when someone is called to something, right? Like it doesn't matter if you're ready or not, like you have to do it. Um, and, and so I very much um, had this feeling that it was a calling and, um, and that's been my North star. So Xander being our North star, it's like when I have a North star, then the rest either, you know, falls into line or it doesn't. And for me, it's, it's really fallen into line. Um, and so when you have a calling and things are working out well for you, you talk about it, right? It becomes a very visible and tangible part of the fabric of everything that you do, including work. Um, and I think historically speaking for me, you know, once upon a time, I couldn't even be out at work, right? And I was working in Manhattan at the time, right? Um, and I did not feel comfortable being out at work. And so like once, you know, and then fast forward, right? And I got an award for being, you know, um, an outstanding, you know, professional in San Francisco, right? And, and, and that just felt like, wow, my goodness, this is, it really, it, there's a beauty and a, a sanctity in it all that just feels like a, a, a final validation that who you are and what you're doing um, is now accepted and you can move through the world in a very different way. Um, and that has a very deep connection for me, right? Like, so when I talk about Sander, when I talk about that experience, when I talk about moving through the world in a certain way, then, um, you know, it's got, people can feel that, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's electrified. Yeah, you know, that for me it triggers a two-part question. One is, um, if somebody who's a young listener on our podcast could think, hey, he was a partner and he gets to do this. Just like it's a responsibility for you to showcase by the same measure, it's almost like he's just really senior in the organization. Of course, he could pull it off. Can I do it as somebody who's younger in the firm? The second is, you know, while you've gone through what is an incredibly difficult set of navigations in life, it, it feels like you've, you've managed to navigate that quite successfully. There must have been things that fell by the wayside and you felt like, hey, this isn't working out for me. How did you deal with those? Be more specific on the second part of the question. Is how, how did you think about, like, you know, there were times that it didn't go right with Xander. And you're like, did I, did I take on the right thing? And am I, is this too much of a battle? And I have no precedent for people who have done this before me. How have you dealt with, you know, adverse situations where there is no benchmark for you? Uh, yeah. Um, maybe, I'll answer, seem <laughs> maybe I'll answer that one first. <laughs> um, it is interesting, um, things that come up, um, something that came up recently that um, when it does come up, it's not uncommon for it to come up because children are naturally curious and they're always asking questions. And um, 
one question that came up recently that just always just for both my husband and I, it's just maybe less my husband for me, for sure. It always kind of just like, I'm like, Oh, Whoa, I wasn't expecting that. And I don't know really how to respond. I mean, I know the technical answers here, but I don't know how to respond in the way that a five-year-old can understand because like it's complicated. Right. Um, and the thing that happened was I was, you know, picking Xander up at school and one of his classmates actually said like, you know, um, does Xander have a mom? Right. And that's just one of those things where it's like, oh gosh, you know, <laughs> we should be prepared. I'm supposed to have notes on that. Right. Like <laughs> I am supposed to have like the party line of like what I'm supposed to say when these things come up. And, and in those moments, instead of like going to a script, I, I paused for a moment because it took me off guard. This was just like pickup. So I'm kind of like, okay, is your jacket on? Do you have your lunch? <laughs> Do you have your water bottle, your backpack? Okay, like, let's go. Right. And then it was like, oh, does that mom? Um, and I've given a lot of thought about it where it's like, well, wait a minute. I don't want to frame things as an adult versus what a child has and what a child does not have. Because creating this sense of lack for me was just like, well, wait a minute. No, there is no lack here. Right. Like he has two amazing parents who um, have like such incredible love um, and a desire to be better for him um, that, no, he's not he doesn't have a lack. But for a five year old, he's just might be asking the question like, OK, well, yeah. what what's going on here? Right. And so the way I chose to respond to the question was, well, Xander's very lucky. He has two dads. And I said, but if you're asking like, oh, you know, is a woman involved in this process? Yes, absolutely. We needed to rely on the help of a few women in order for Xander to like arrive like into the world. And, and then I asked him, you know, did I answer your question? And he said, yes. And I said, does it make sense? And he's like, not entirely, but I'm okay. <sighs> And I thought, okay, awesome, right? Like that's, I don't need to say anymore, right? Like he's okay. I answered the question. It may not make sense. And it's also hard for it to make sense at five years old, right? Um, and um, yeah, so that one always, like not, I'm almost always unprepared for that question um, because it, it actually just kind of sets, I don't know, it sets off a buzzer inside. Like, oh my goodness, like our are we lacking in this way? Right. And when the answer is obviously no, but it, it tickles the insides, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I had something very similar. I want to answer Chris first question because that was my question as well. It's great, but I had something similar. My six year old, uh, is friends with these twins who have two dads. And she said, uh, you know, daddy can, how, how did, how did two dads have a baby? And I answered by saying, why do you ask? And she says, Oh, because Alex and Kate are my friend. Oh, well, how did I say they, her, her dads, their dad said that they used a surrogate. What's a surrogate? I explained. Like, do you? Oh, she's like, surrogate. Fine. And she went on her way. Like, because it just was like, and it's like the old story where like when, when sometimes, you know, you're at, at the ATM and kids say, you know, daddy, you know, or mommy, where does money, yeah, come, does money from? come from? Where does money come from? And you give them this long disquisition and it goes, and it's all off base and like, no, like, Literally, it, where does it come from in the ATM? Like, how does it get out of the ATM? And you're like, Oh, and so I always ask the question to know, like, how complex of an answer do you give? Yeah, it is uh, the literal versus the lateral. We're always sort of thinking laterally, whereas kids' questions are very, yeah. very literal. Right. So, oh, okay. <laughs> but I, I sort of 
pose my first question again to you, David, which is, you know, what would you say to our younger listeners who were who say, hey, he was a partner and he could do this? Uh, I am not. And I'm, you know, I'm starting a family and I'm still fairly junior in the organization. How would how would you have dealt with it if you were in that situation? My guess is similarly. <laughs> I get the yeah. sense that he, you know, oh, yeah. you, you... Um, I'm not one that's big on advice, but I'll, I can speak from the I perspective for sure. Um, starting a family, you know, like we, we mentioned earlier is one of those really big moments in life and there's such a, a depth to it. Um, and it's life altering and changing and all of these things. And we really, I really needed, um, to take a stand like, and maybe it was, uh, perceived, right? Like, you know, maybe I was inventing things that were happening at work and yes, you know, I was a partner. Um, but even if my younger self, yeah, I would have stepped out and like taken the time. I also think for younger people, and I can speak from just being in, you know, the C-suite for some time now, um, conversations are being had like younger generations in the workforce and what they need is very, is, I have the view, it's not actually different, but what's different about it now is uh, the workplace um, needs to be able to continue to attract talent and in order to do so, is willing to do more. Um, and I think that is a wonderful thing. So I think young people have never been in a better position to take the time, to spend the time, um, and ask for things. I mean, what's also very interesting, um, I was talking to um, a young person recently on a, something in, entirely separate. It wasn't about, you know, families and taking time, but it was really about, wait a minute, you know, the wealth management space has kind of been around for a very long time and it feels, you know, very slow to be changing and moving and, and even catering at all towards younger talent. Um, and this happened to be someone who was a, you know, a TikTok influencer in the financial planning space, right? Which is kind of a new thing. Um, and what's super interesting is, what he had learned was that you can, and what he was sharing with other young people was you can only negotiate once. When you enter a firm is the only time that you actually have the most power. So, um, and one of the things that he was negotiating was I own my social media followers. No one else does. Right. Um, and, there had been some litigation in the field like, oh, no, someone had built a TikTok following 250,000 followers and the firm asserted, no, 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 we own those. Those are ours. <laughs> right? Um, and it's interesting because like now young people, when they enter, if they have a following or if they intend to have a following or leverage social media, they can actually negotiate. And I think firms are very quick to say like, oh, yeah, we're happy to have that conversation. Right. And I think so, too, like those questions should be being asked and if you are getting any other answer other than what you need to hear as a potential parent, then maybe it's not the right place. Let me take Priya's question and ask it to a different group, and that's your yeah. fellow your fellow managers, your your fellow you know, be it your fellow CMOs or marketing, or chief digital officers, different firms, or um, you know, other other managers within the wealth management space or other mm -hmm. industries that you've worked in. 
let's say that they had a different experience when they were parents. Let's say they had a different experience, you know, as caregivers. How would you, and I know you said you don't like to give advice, so therefore I'm going to ask you to give advice. Um, how would you advise them to handle the questions that they're being asked so that they're actually answering the question that their um, direct report, that their employee is asking them, and they're answering it in a way that's, you know, beneficial. And by beneficial, I mean beneficial for the employee, but look, companies have to make money, also beneficial for the company because there's got to be a you know right way and a wrong way to, to answer these questions uh sure um ask the question one more time paul i want to make sure i give you like this is an important one and i want to yeah. make sure like i'm very succinct in my response you know for, for people managers who are listening yeah. how would you tell them to you know not rely perhaps on their own experience to answer these questions how would you advise them to answer these questions the way they ought to be answered in 2024, when when somebody comes to them about, you know, a, 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 you know, work life equation type type question, a parenting yeah. question, a caregiving question, you know, whatever that may be, how would you advise them to answer those questions now in, in 2024, and not how that question may have been answered to them when they're in that same position? You know, honesty and transparency. Mm-hmm. Honesty and transparency. I mean, like it's. I think it's literally that simple. Um, and that even means, you know, being honest and transparent potentially about their own experience and how things were, you know, um, what's also interesting too is, you know, I I can only imagine if I were just entering the workplace, you, you're not equipped with the historical knowledge of what workplace has been over the past. You only have your lived experience of how Mm -hmm. things were with your parents, you know, and kind of what you were exposed to. And so maybe a, a little bit of. Um, you know, positioning how the workplace has evolved over time, um, but also being very clear about like the organization's values, right? Like organizations have values for a reason, right? It helps build culture. It helps build an environment that everyone wants to be performing, hopefully in, you know, very productive, high performing ways and high performers. And I think this is what's fascinating, you know, like, parents are incredibly high performers. And, <laughs> and, and I think if you, and I'm not quoting any studies, like I don't know what this, if there even are studies out there, but I know from the parents that I've seen um, over the course of my career, if you want, and it's not that other people aren't performers either, but if you want someone to really get something done, right? Like you give it to someone who is a parent, right? Because they have this uncanny ability to manage and prioritize things uh, that really yeah. matter. Um, and that, that is a, 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 a wonderful skill set that is essential um, as you move through um, uh, work life. You need to know what really matters and what doesn't and how to prioritize one thing over the next. Um, so honesty, okay. transparency, and I think, you know, just having just the context of both what Bright Horizons does and what we see within the workforce, Paul, I think the fact that there are these multiple, I, I completely get your question because my parenting experience isn't the same as somebody who's entering the workforce right now. Uh, but also listening, I would, you know, sort of say, hey, what is different about your context that I don't get? And I think then, you know, organizations like us support employers, um, 
provide these services and support these families. I think it's the challenge for most employers is that it's five generations in a workforce Mm -hmm. and those needs are very, very different. Uh, And it's the definition of family is changing. So, you know, how do you support what is, what is the new family today? That's right. Um, David, this has been awesome. Uh, Thank you for joining us today. We're going to end each and every one of these podcasts with three questions. And everybody gets the same three questions. Okay, no pressure. So you're going to be graded and judged, just so you know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. First question. What's work-life balance to you? I think about work-life balance less about them being other and more about them being integrated. How can I move through work life integration? Um, And integration doesn't mean like, you know, work is spilling into your home life. It just means I'm allowed and permitted both from my colleagues and for myself to show up at work as a whole human being. Got it. (laughs) And what is your go-to way to unwind when you're not juggling work priorities or doing the carpool duty or answering where did where did Xander come from? Totally. <laughs> uh, two things. I'm either in a swimming pool, swimming laps. Um, it's almost like meditation for me. Um, and one of the big reasons we're in Portland, Oregon, I'm a tree guy. Um, I, you'll find me on the trails uh, in Portland. That's, we haven't we haven't mentioned this, but your husband works for the Sierra Club, so I'm he glad does. to hear that you are a tree <laughs> he guy. Absolutely does. Yeah, I was following the, the swimming part, but then I was going to say you're, you're going to go all in on the porno, the, the Portland Pinot Noir. But uh, yes. <laughs> um, and the third question here is, you know, again, I, I got tasked with asking you the advice questions twice, but you know, what what advice would you give to other working fathers who are trying to balance their career? aspirations, you know, what they want to be in their career with their family obligations. Oh, I'm so bad on the advice thing. Um, One thing that I notice, and I don't know what to do about it, um, but there is this, and this goes to what you do, Paul, um, what's, what's lacking or what was lacking before the company of dads is this sense of community. Um, I think there's many dads in the workplace that probably feel lonely in their roles, in the role, right? Like not, not lonely, but like in the role of being a dad at work, it can feel lonely. And so what can augment that in my own mind? I think, oh, what can augment that, that feeling? And it's like, well, community, a sense of community the ability to have to have conversations or even tap into conversations with other men that are experiencing um, you know a similar experience in life um, and we know like you know human beings are incredibly social right like we you know like we both work from home but like we need to be out in the world like we're social recluses right like we like to be social but like we also have this really deep home component and so i would i, I just think like they're more community um, for dads. Social recruiters, I like that term. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, David. What's more magical than a childhood filled with days of play, learning, exploration, and discovery? 
At Bright Horizons, we think of childcare as a chance to help a child experience it all. Our teachers go beyond the usual, ensuring your child has an enriching, satisfying day. They take the time to listen, engage, encourage, and celebrate the wins, big and small. At Bright Horizons, we put the care in childcare. Visit brighthorizons.com to find a center near you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Work-Life Equation. For more parenting resources, visit brighthorizons.com and be sure to follow us on social media.